Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to another edition of Solutions Watch here in April of 2022. I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And this week, I want to circle around a subject that you have heard me talk about many, many times if you've watched the Corbett Report before, namely the concept, the question that I often get from people, how do I communicate this information to others? How do I wake up my friends, family, sister, brother, uncle, what have you? And I have talked about this question and answered it many, many times in the past. For example, in questions for Corbett, how do I wake up my friends and family? Those types of um, conversations that uh, we have had, you and I, have had many times before about how to communicate information. And you'll notice something that I always continue to stress and will continue to stress is that there is no singular answer to that question because there is no one singular way to communicate information. Everybody has their own communicative style And that means not only the way that they communicate information, but also the way they like to receive information. Some people, as I've pointed out in the past, love the way I communicate this information. Others, you may be shocked to to hear, (laughs) hate the way I communicate this information. And you know what? Neither of those viewpoints is right or wrong. They are just different people with different styles who appreciate information presented in different ways. And so one of the things that I've always focused on and tried to get people to focus on in the past is that it, whatever your communicative style is, however you express yourself, that will resonate with some people out there. Maybe some styles are more popular or more accessible to others, but at any rate, however it is that naturally occurs to you to express yourself can be used as a way of helping to communicate this type of information, important information that you feel others should know about. So you'll know, for example, that I've done truth music episodes of the Corbett Report podcast many times in the past. Um, Well, hasn't been for a few years now, but I have done truth music in the past, pointing out that putting this into song is a great way of communicating this information to the types of people who would never listen to a Corbett Report podcast might listen to a song. You might also remember I had a podcast going back in the archives now some years on truth art. And if you don't remember that, of course, I'll include the link in the show notes so you can go and check out or recheck out that uh, that particular episode of the podcast. But yes, the idea that you can put, uh, there's a picture is a th- worth a thousand words, right? Well, you can tell entire stories with pictures, with art. And I think there are a number of ways in which we can readily see that. The most obvious being in this 24-7 online, totally interconnected social media space of everything world that we're living in. The meme, of course, has become one of the dominant forms of communication among the Zoomer generation, I suppose. And a lot of information is passed along in that form, for good or ill. (laughs) And I think it's, well, it could be a bit of both. (laughs) Um, But I would say that, wouldn't I? I mean, I'm an an aging Xer. (laughs) At any rate, (laughs) I I, I hope that uh, we can ground today's conversation on truth art and the possibilities of using the visual medium to communicate information, or the possibilities of discovering new information through the visual media, Um, I think we can ground this conversation in something that I always stress in my Truth Music episodes, which is, for example, well, everyone has the music that they like to listen to and music they don't like to listen to, and again, neither is right or wrong, it is just a taste 
or uh, of or an opinion. Um, so there are certain visual communicative styles that people will like and some that they won't, and people will resonate with some things differently. So today I've tried to line up a few very, very different ideas from different approaches from different people, and hopefully you'll find something in this that uh, even if you don't directly necessarily get anything out of, hopefully you it will at least inspire you to, and get your, your own creative juices flowing, because part of Solutions Watch is not just about being passive receptacles for information, but being creative beings who can create and can use these ideas to create new things in the world. That is the real spirit behind Solutions Watch. So today we're going to, I'm going to examine specifically three specific examples of people who are doing things in the visual artistic realm that are very different from very different styles and approaches. And I, I imagine you'll probably resonate with one or two or maybe even three of these, but and maybe all of them, maybe not. At any rate, there's going to be a range. And so we're going to start with an artist doing something that I think is very, very fascinating. I haven't seen anything quite like it before. Uh, his name is Chris Reddy, and he has readymade.com, which is his website. And Chris Reddy got in touch with me way back in the early part of February of this year, where he introduced himself by saying, Hi, James, I am an artist based in Norway, and I have a project, Portrait Interview, making drawings that do not focus on the looks of the subject, but rather the inner mental landscape, the bigger image of a person. I am focusing on subjects that are pushing back and speaking out against the attack on freedom and individual rights, and you, James, are doing that, and it's obviously an important subject which I want to include in this. So this portrait is made in a 30 to 35 minute call on the phone or PC, where we talk about you, your ideas, history, inspirations, etc., while I draw on paper and fill the canvas, so to speak. And that was an intriguing and very interesting offer um, that Chris made, and I would never in a million years sit down to get my portrait painted in a conventional sense. <laughs> I just, I, I don't think I would even want that, let alone anyone else. But this was an intriguing idea, painting the inner mental landscape through conversation with someone. And I wanted to see what that looked like. And I thought, well, why don't I record it? And we'll let the audience see. So as hopefully you have already seen, I have released that conversation and I Hope you did watch it. I think it's an interesting conversation. It certainly gets at different questions and different uh, areas of my own inner mental landscape that I don't generally talk about on on the podcast. So I, I think it is a definitely a different perspective of me. And um, hopefully if you did watch to the very end, you did see the little conversation that we had um, at the end about the work that Chris is doing and why he is doing it that way. Okay, yeah. So I had this idea that I wanted to make portraits of people that I find interesting that have yeah, intellectual mental landscapes that are interesting and um, and I wanted to do them through a kind of like my my, my art is is basically based on drawing and and uh, a stream of consciousness uh, just doodling my way through whatever comes out and um, I thought that it would be interesting to see if that could work as a as as a portrait project through a conversation, so that the conversation is manifesting itself through in the drawing, uh, of course through me and, and and my style and and you know the details that I will put in. So, uh, but I've I've had a um, I've had <clears throat> had a problem in in why would I how would I choose the the the, the what do you say, subject or object? Subject. <laughs> subject. I am not an object. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Subject. So um, uh, when um, 
when all this uh, all this the mayhem that has uh, the pandemic that has been going on the last two years, I just picked that up and and thought it's good to to do this with people who are actually in my opinion uh, freedom fighters and you're a freedom fighter in in my in, in my uh, in in this in in my mind because you are teaching people about what is going on and um, and uh, the only way to be free from this tyranny is to learn about how it works that's the only way to be free for everybody and it's not so the only way I, but it is an important i mean it's an well, essential yeah. part of it yes yeah without knowledge yeah we are yeah yeah. I so, agree. Um, and in fact, yeah. now that I think about it, because I have often, <laughs> it's funny, the, the hardest question I get is, so how, what's your title? What, what, how can I introduce you? And I'm like, I always don't know what to say, because am I a journalist? I guess. I'm a podcaster? I'm a webmaster? No, I'm a teacher. I actually think that's probably fundamentally what it is that I, I do, or at least the way that I approach my work. I am trying to teach people about these subjects. So thank yeah. you for giving me that word. Yeah, and uh, and also uh, so so the the project became uh, um, um, well yeah I, I forgot what I was going to say but it was, it was about <laughs> uh, <laughs> about how um, how this will I don't know if it works but you know uh, in, in art is very you can either be an artist that is uh, I mean there's a million there there's as many ways to be an artist as there are artists I guess. Um, uh, and, and to me, I find I find art history very curated by the elite. Again, you know, it's they are they are deciding what what should be in the art world and what shouldn't be. And uh, I think that anything an artist make is art and it's valuable and it is a part of art history. It doesn't be has have to be acknowledged by the elite or by anybody. If it's made, it's there. It's part of art history. And so you're Marcel Duchamp signing the uh, urinal. Sorry, you're Marcel Duchamp signing the urinal. This is art. Exactly. Well, <laughs> but we don't know anything what, what art can be art. <laughs> but 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 if it isn't made, as you're saying, you know, make mm. making art and and living and making mm. and creating is so important. And if it isn't, if it's not not made, then it's not going to mean something. I would in agree the with that. Art is a process. I would tentatively exactly. say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, where so, can people see your work? Do you publish it somewhere? Uh. Well, I have I have a website that I am very bad at at uh, at uh, updating. It's called Readymade. Um, back to Duchamp. My name is Ready. Uh, my surname is Ready. So I I play with the Readymade. Um, um, right. Yeah, the theoretical aspect of Readymade uh, art history yeah. in in my name uh, Readymade.com. R e d d y m a d dot com. And I have a Readymade art at Instagram. Where, which I'm faster at posting, and this will be posted there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that we, you know, to uh, to make art about something that is, uh, or or someone that is uh, teaching or that is doing something important uh, for society, and uh, that's 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 why I chose among amongst other you, you are number eight uh, that I've done now. So. Um, I'm just going to continue doing this because I, f I find it uh, a very interesting way of spreading something else some around this, you know, because we were talking about language and how language is uh, very important, but visual language is also very important. Yeah, and of course, right now, visual language is used in so many ways in, in propaganda and people are not 
thinking about what they are seeing. I mean, yeah, you can see the video effects and how they can change the video into looking like something else, and then you're manipulated by that. But it's, it is, it can be much more subtle than that. Just colors and repeating colors and patterns and symbols and and I, it's, I love uh, Mondrian. I have no idea why I love Mondrian. It's just exactly, it's yeah. beautiful in a weird way. I don't know why. So it's like music, also, you know, art or visual. The visual language is is also like music. You, you can, yeah, you can enjoy it just like music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, great. I hope uh, some of my listeners will check you out and see what you're doing. Um, and just to okay, so I really don't know what's going on here, but you were recording yourself making that. Okay, so so I've been I've been drawing um, the whole time we have been speaking, okay. and I've been trying to focus on what you're saying, and mm. at the same time drawing and putting the details into the drawing. And uh, it's a it's a pen drawing on paper. I'm not going to show you the no oh, no I like okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, and then I will uh, I will uh, scan it and uh, and uh, work clean it up a bit if there's some mess. Not much, but a little bit, and then I'm going to work with the colors that I afterwards I go through the conversation and the drawing, and I think about the conversation, and then I will add the colors uh, uh, digitally on my uh, in uh, on my computer, and then print it at the end. So it will end up as a print, and cool. then I will. Show this is fascinating, and I have talked about truth art in the past, but I should put more emphasis on it um, going forward because absolutely, I this is one thing I always try to stress. There are many, many, many different ways to get this information out, and I do a certain style news type presentation, very serious usually. Um, but absolutely, art, music, all of these things are yeah. great ways of reaching people that so I important. will never be able to reach. Exactly. Awesome. So, yeah, thank you so much for taking part in this. Well, and, thank uh, you for uh, making me a subject. I am honored. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Now, I'm not going to spoil that conversation for you, as it were, by simply showing you the portrait that ended up getting painted as a result of that conversation here. Hopefully, you have watched that conversation, and if you do, it is there at the end. It's also linked up in that conversation, which, of course, I'll link up in the show notes of this edition of Solutions Watch. But I will follow up by saying that uh, Chris Reddy did have a, uh, a, uh, a showing of his art at a gallery there, uh, I believe in Norway, um, just this past weekend, and he took some video footage of that showing, so I, uh, I will play it on screen for you here. And as you can see, yes, displaying his art. Um, very interesting, very cerebral, um, but very vibrant and very eye-catching. So at any rate, again, your mileage may vary and different people like different things, but I thought that was a fascinating conversation that resulted in the creation of something, my, my, a portrait of me. <laughs> and you can watch that conversation for my reference to the uh, James Joyce portrait, <laughs> abstract portrait that his father uh, commented on. At any rate, I do appreciate that, so I hope you'll check out Chris Reddy and his other artwork if you are interested in that conversation that we had. So that's one example of taking that creative impulse and trying to do something that, you know, hopefully will interest somebody. Who is the port? Who is this James Corbett that you interviewed? What? How did this come about? Oh, here's the here is the interview. You can watch it and listen to it and see him sketching on his pad as we're talking. I mean, that's it's interesting, and it will be a different way to get people hooked into. Uh, material like this than anything 
you would generally normally encounter at the Corbett Report, for example. Um, speaking of very, very different ways of presenting, let's take a hard, hard turn here and <laughs> suddenly go into a very different communicative visual style. Um, in this case, the satirical, biting, uh, art, uh, chaotic, anarchic art uh, of the underground zine world. <laughs> the, the, what I imagine Mad uh, Magazine used to be like back way back when it first started, genuinely satirical and genuinely uh, subversive. Um, obviously hasn't been that for many decades, but at any rate, something along those lines captured in 2022? What? <laughs> what? What era is this? Are we still in print media? Yes. Yes, we are. There are people who are keeping it alive. And specifically, in this case, I'm referring to uh, Christy and Scott McKenzie, who are the editors of a magazine called Flip City Magazine. And I received a bunch of their magazines and a little cover letter. Dear James, thank you so much for accepting our publication, Flip City Magazine, for review. We've been enjoying your Solutions Watch program as we launched our own solution in February 2020 in hopes of providing an alternative to screaming into the digital void and voting for change. Uh, practicing tried and true dissent through comedy and art on actual physical paper keeps our readers laughing despite the pain of that darned boot on their neck. We plan on continuing to grow, spreading our brand of ridicule to effectively file down the fangs of the establishment, hoping issues 7 to 10 of Flip City bring you a few chuckles. So as I say, they did they did send several copies of uh, different issues of their magazine to me, and uh, I've been <laughs> perusing them uh, recently. Uh, as I say, genuinely satirical, genuinely cutting, um, but also funny, and obviously just chaotic and... And very fun. Um, for example, Flip City Issue 7 features McCommunism, over 100 million starved, extreme Karening, and sexy Fauci centerfold. <laughs> and it delivers on, uh, delivers on everything it promises, including, well, I don't know about the sexy part, but there's the Fauci centerfold. And again, some satirical art that brings attention to things that you certainly will not be seeing in mainstream media of any sort, or anything you're likely to see on the newsstand at your local supermarket or something like that. Um, this is certainly not for everyone. It is genuinely quite biting satire, and I'm sure there are people who would be offended by this. And this certainly does go into the uh, the culture war areas of uh, of the what's happening right now in ways that I'm sure there would be people who would be offended by that. But I think that is actually the point of this. So... I've displayed a bit of what this looks like on screen if you're watching the video presentation of this, but let's turn to a conversation that I just recorded with Scott and Christy McKenzie, the editors of Flip City Magazine, about what it is they do and how they got started. Well, you know, with all the changes we in life and the social scene, we had a lot of material with nowhere to go for it. We had a lot of ideas that were good for animation, we thought, uh, you know, we saw a gap in, in the market. We don't, there is no populist satire magazine anymore for the nation. All we have is Mad Magazine, and we know Mad Magazine sold out to major corporations 40 years ago. They're nothing but a woke manufacturing uh, propaganda arm, and, it, and they're rather worthless. So we needed a magazine like this to do formats that you can't do in cartoons on the web and uh, something that would go in print and be in the hands of people so that they could keep it in the event of the power and the internet goes down. 
And so we worked all of our ideas into Flip City Magazine. You know, I'm glad you said that because as I was reading this and I was looking through it and I was thinking to myself, what what is the analogy here? What is this like? And m- the thought that I had was like, this is probably what Mad Magazine was when it first started, when it was genuinely subversive and like really satirical and actually cut. But by the time I was growing up, Mad Magazine was, I'm sure, a, a shadow of its former self. And now I, I don't even want to know what it's like at this point. So, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think what's the genuinely subversive, really cuttingly satirical thing these days. And I can't think of anything quite like this. Certainly not in print. That's the surprising thing about this. Who's doing print magazines anymore? Why did you decide to do print? Because we're insane. No. <laughs> We're crazy, but it just seemed like the right thing to do to get it in people's hands. And, uh, you know, when we launched it, we had choices of a digital uh, release and a paper release, and people overwhelmingly wanted the paper in their hands. Uh, otherwise, we may not have printed it at all. You know, I I understand that. Obviously, from my perspective and what I do, I think it's good to preserve actual printed material. But, I mean, just for the sake of what it is, it feels like it needs to be a physical thing in real life rather than something on a screen. Because there's a lot that's on the screen that we can, you know, it, it would just be another meme type of thing. But here it is, there's a reality to it that I appreciate. All right, uh, you have, as I say, it's very cuttingly satirical. I guarantee... There will be people in the audience who would be actually genuinely offended by some of the things in here. And I think that's probably part of the point, right? Um, yes, we, we do challenge people uh, and we don't give a flip about offending anybody. So, yeah. I, I um, just had a penny drop. Flip city, as in flipping off. <laughs> Is that it? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Take, okay. take it as you please. <laughs> All right. So what kinds of things do you cover? Well, we uh, we cover politics. We'll we'll go at uh, both of the parties, uh, mo- and mostly about its cultural and about uh, social trends and changes. So anything that's on the board, any anything that's not quite right in the world, is a target. Right. I, I get very much get the sense that there's a lot of uh, the culture war stuff in here. Um, I am particularly interested in the uh, the sort of the send up of the corona hoax garbage and the people propounding that. Um, Fauci, obviously, a regular target. And I note that you do have a YouTube channel where you do have animations, including uh, Stephen Colbor uh, animation, (laughs) which I found... I I like that one a lot because I really dislike Colbert. So (laughs) that was a a good send-up. Tell us about your animation as well. Well, you know, I've kind of been doing this for decades. Uh, I came out of an art school, so I had the training to do that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, some ideas just work well that way. You know, the, the magazine is the, the baseline and then some ideas just lend themselves to that. Uh, so we sketch them out and put some funny voices on it, uh, as often as we can. We, we'd love to take some of the franchise ideas we have in the magazine and make more out of them. They, it takes a lot of teamwork and budget. So we're pushing in that direction and we hope to re- be able to release more stuff like that in the future. So how does the uh, cont- contributors work? Do you, uh, do you solicit contributions? Do people send you stuff? How does that happen? Well, we've made call-outs on podcasts before and gotten big responses from artists. Actually, you know, we did issues one through three all by ourselves. We didn't have any contributors until number four when we got Dangerous Dave McDowell and we got the amazing Gary Locke from the American Spectator and other publications 
to come in and do some pages for us. And that went so well, it attracted more attention. And so we've uh, got a roster of about 20 people to pick from now. Nice. Do you have a favorite issue so far? What do you think? Uh, I love issue two's cover. Um, Bill Gates. With Bill Gates. Yeah, James, I, we didn't send you that one, but um, I, I thought this kind of went along with your Gates saying... <laughs> we, <laughs> I, I love the cover on this one. I don't have a I don't have a particular favorite issue, you know. Um, all of them are my favorite. I like to think it's getting better and better. I mean, initially we weren't doing anything editorial, and we were looking for comic artists, but we had editorial artists come in too. And just because uh, a picture isn't outrightly funny doesn't mean you can't write something funny to complement it, and kind of expand the scope of the whole magazine with some puzzle pages and quizzes and articles and open it up a little bit and i think it's improved yeah again i do appreciate that as as you say crossword puzzles and all sorts of fun stuff in here um it genuinely it uh, as i say it genuinely has that sort of anarchic feel of old style mad magazine or something like that back when there was genuine satire to go around uh yeah. this is a physical print magazine how do people get their hands on it well, you'd go to flipcitymag.com and just link through to our store and purchase from there. It's a rather easy uh, thing to do. So, yeah, flipcitymag.com is where you can find us. Yeah, you can get our latest issue, 11. Uh, you can get all the past 10 issues before it and subscribe, and you'll get the next issue, 12. You'll get six issues starting from there. Awesome. I will definitely link that up in the show notes. And any social medias you want to promote? Yeah, you can find everything on FlipCityMag.com. Um, we'd love to grow our YouTube uh, subscriptions um, so that we can have it all taken away. <laughs> <laughs> That's a spirit. <laughs> all right, thank you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. All right, thanks, thank James. You, James. Once again, that is Scott and Christy McKenzie of FlipCityMag.com. As we mentioned there, they also have a YouTube channel that I'll link up in the show notes so that you can go explore that. This will definitely be for some people and definitely not for others. So <laughs> as uh, they have a quote on their about part of their YouTube channel, too edgy and vulgar for our audience, the Babylon Bee. <laughs> so that, that gives you a sense of uh, what where they, where they sit in <laughs> the media spectrum. <laughs> too far outside for the outside the mainstream. At any rate, uh, I, again, you can go and check that out for yourself and uh, see if it resonates with you. Or potentially, as they mentioned, contributors have found them through podcasts they've been on and have have uh, uh, submitted material and have gone on to, to do things for the magazine. So if you are artistically inclined and if that's up your alley, maybe you want to get in touch with them. At any rate, you can find out more at flipcitymag.com. Now, once again, so we've looked at the very cerebral uh, stuff that you would see in the art gallery. We've looked at the chaotic universe of the underground zines and satirical biting uh, satire. But now we're going to shift directions completely again to something very different, but something in, again, in the same wheelhouse of visual arts and how they can be used as a potential solution. In this case, in a slightly different way, rather than uh, communicating information about the big ongoing conspiracy, helping people to deal with the big ongoing overwhelming conspiracy. Because another piece of feedback that I often get from people is that they are overwhelmed once they start to discover, oh, nothing is like what I thought it was. Oh, I'm going down the rabbit hole. And it's a horrible and disorienting experience for many, and a lot of people have trouble dealing with it. 
Well, one way of dealing with it is to once again tap into your creative energies and to uh, to find yourself on the more contemplative side of the visual media. In that regard, I got an email in recently from Mackenzie Bakewell, who wrote to say, my name is Mackenzie, and I'm an artist and author who has been an avid listener of yours for years. In light of April being Stress Awareness Month, I wanted to share with you a possible solutions watch to stress. Coloring for all ages and skill levels. Coloring naturally draws us into the moment. It relaxes us, and it taps into all the known health benefits of making art. Plus, Coloring as a family holds space for talking and connecting in a relaxed setting. And she has a recently published uh, book, Coloring is Good for You, 13 Reasons to Color Daily, which I have perused myself. And you know what? I think she's right. (laughs) I think it actually can be if engaged in in a contemplative way as part of a and creating the right space and atmosphere for, for engaging in it. It can be a wonderful way to reduce, relieve stress, deal or cope with stress, or otherwise simply find a way for some focused attention that will draw your mind away from the worries of the day and towards some more contemplative time. And it sounds, it might sound completely out of left field, but it is something that, uh, again, some people will resonate with, others might not. But I will, of course, link you up to uh, her website, zibi.com where uh, she has all of this information and uh, her books etc where you can find out more information about what it is she's doing but I also had the chance to talk to her recently about the work that she's doing so let's listen to a bit of Mackenzie Bakewell talking about her work and why she does it yeah well I'm I'm a professional artist author and photographer and I have been making art my entire life and It wasn't until about 2015 I started hearing about coloring as a tool for stress relief and reducing anxiety. And so as a black and white ink artist, I started making coloring art for my friends and family. And people loved it. They loved that my art was a bit more spacious than a lot of the adult coloring art that was coming out. There was room for just creative flow and ever since then, I've just kept exploring it. I'm very passionate about finding tools for healthy, happy habits, for finding ways to reduce stress and unplug and just be in the moment and relaxed and have fun. And so it kind of took off in 2018 when I started an art shop at the Portland Saturday Market, which is a very big year-round um art fair and people there just loved my coloring. I was there with a lot of my photography and I had a couple little coloring books and I was just blown away by how many people approached me and teachers, parents, educators, and they were like, art education isn't funded and people are so stressed out. And they were saying that coloring is such a wonderful tool. And so in my own life, I started using it even more, seeing it as a, as really a a tool to exercise the creative side of my mind. And as an artist, you know, I was making art all the time in many forms, but I realized I hadn't been doing a lot of totally for fun, just for me, creative play that wasn't about posting on social media. It wasn't about work and that's where coloring really fit in. And as I started to work on going more 
offline and how do we go off grid and how do I put solutions into action, I realized that coloring was a wonderful way to decrease my dependency on my phone and that urge to, oh, I'll just check my phone because I want entertainment for a moment. And so I literally, I, um, with my family through ZB Media, my company, we started making postcards. Here's one here. And so they're just postcards that have the coloring art. And so I started literally putting that near my phone. And I learned in a lot of my studies that the best way to change habits is to have a choice. So I knew I wanted more time in the present moment offline. And so I gave myself the choice of coloring or the phone, you know, and in that way, it really helped me unlock new layers of being able to relax in the evening and really energize my mind so that I could have more creative energy to start baking my own bread or start having a garden, which before had seemed like too far out of the realm. It was, you know, I didn't have that energy. And so coloring for me has been such a wonderful tool that it's really inspired me to share it with others. And I've gotten so much wonderful feedback from people about how it's helped them with stress relief. They use it as a way to have family quality time. Um, One of the really interesting things You know, there's a lot of research, as I'm sure you know, about how coloring and just making art can reduce our stress levels and help us be more present. And so in that way, I know many people, I've gotten friends and family and people all the world starting to color, um, using it as that as a tool to really connect better with their friends and family, as well as just have that place for creative expression. Well, let me then give you my own feedback on this. So after you got in touch with me and you sent me your ebook that articulates some of this, uh, uh, Coloring is Good for You, 13 Reasons to Color Daily. And I started to think about some of this. And it's been many, many years since I picked up a a crayon (laughs) or any sort of coloring device. Uh But uh, so I found myself, (laughs) I found myself with my children on a long day and we'd been to the park and we'd done all that. And I didn't want to sit them down in front of a screen. I wanted to do something that would get us together and talking and interacting and doing something fun. And so I whipped out the old coloring books that have been sitting around for years and I'd never gone back to them. They're just sitting there. Oh yeah, we have this. I pulled it out and start I, I didn't even say anything. I didn't say, let's all yeah. color anything. I just started doing it. Yeah. And so they start pulling out coloring books and getting crayons and start doing it. And we start just talking and, and having fun as a family. And then after 10 or 15 minutes, they start getting bored and start making little X's on the page and stuff. And, yeah. Okay, well, we're done. But it was, yeah. an, it was a nice way of just sort of resetting, calming down. And the the thing that strikes me about this that I'd never really contemplated before is that Coloring is an interesting, de- completely unstressful way to engage in creative play because if you hand an artist a blank canvas and say, okay, now go paint something, or if you hand a writer a blank pa- piece of paper, okay, now start a story from scratch. Oh, that's work. You know, that's a huge undertaking. Yes. Ah, But if you hand someone a, a coloring page and look, mm-hmm. here the lines are already there. All you got to do is just 
feel what color you want and just go for it and and while you're doing it it's totally it's not a mentally taxing thing you can start contemplating other things while sort of distracting yourself it is it is a very interesting way of doing that which i'd never considered before so thank you for introducing that idea you're to welcome. me you're welcome i'm it, i'm so glad you tried it and that it it was effective in exactly that way of like you said it's it really removes the stress and pressure. And for me, I find it makes it so I'm a little more playful, you know, and you can, we can start taking things so seriously in life. And there's so much going on for reasons to be serious and stressed that carving out that time, even if it's 15 minutes, you know, to just have a little fun. And it's really fascinating. The more I've researched it, how much really it does have scientifically proven now according to various studies and everything that it coloring is now kind of included in some of their studies around art and it it does it it helps lower our cortisol levels and it helps to have a significantly positive impact on our health absolutely and uh you'll notice that i was staying very much with uh conservative and and regular colors here but the next thing i was going to do before the kids started getting uh all over the place was uh, starting bullying uh, breaking out the rainbow patterns and things and you know whatever just making it crazy yeah there's a lot of ways you can go with that to keep it interesting for yourself and uh, it's again zen-like meditation prayer whatever way you conceptualize that it's a good way to sort of get your head in that space and not be in front of a screen. Again, another important part of this, de-stressing and unplugging from this constant flood of information. It's uh, becoming a rarer and rarer space in people's lives. So I appreciate that. As I say, I did get that uh, uh, Coloring is Good for You ebook. Tell people about that and what they can learn from it. Wonderful, yeah. And, um, you know, I think the, the great thing about coloring is it's so versatile you can use it so many different ways. And once you understand your own why of why you want to, for example, unplugging and going offline or just to make art for you know, for that reason or for relaxation or possibly to exercise your mind, just like we work out our body, our physical body, exercising our minds, you know, sometimes I'll limit my colors to just a few. And that really kind of makes me focus longer it's kind of hard sometimes to stick with one color and it's just like how we we have so much stimulation it can be hard to think about one thought and be still and slow and coloring if you desire it for the calming relaxation benefits i found as you said it's so simple you can pair it with your breath to really tap into that relaxation. You can put on nice music or listen to the bird song outside and doing it that way. But also if your why is you want to become better as an artist, I've used it to try new mediums and try new techniques. And so if you find some, you know, a coloring book you like, um, whether it's an adult themed one or a, you know, classic children's one, you can really have fun bringing it to life in your own style. And in that way, you're able to explore color and explore how color influences your mood and your perception. So there's so many layers that I find very fascinating. But the biggest thing that I see it as is, you know, it's so accessible. 
that it's a way to make art every day and have that time where, you know, maybe it's in the morning. For me, I do morning, noon, and night. Um, have these breaks where it's like, okay, before I turn on the computers in the morning, I have a little time to sit and be still and be a little creative. And at lunch, I take a break and, you know, in the day and just have a little reflection and self-expression where you're offline for even just five minutes can really help reset that mental energy. And then particularly, I know a lot of people, myself included, and in the evening, it can be so hard to turn off the buzz of the day and just, all right, ease into sleep. And so coloring, like you said, because it's so much simpler than creating a new work of art um, or any of the other ways you can express your creativity, it really can be very relaxing. And if you're looking to create a habit where you stop looking at a screen for maybe an hour before bed, it's a great tool to create that habit because it's very accessible. And you just held up a little coloring book there that I understand you have a, a Journey of Colors book that you have a special offer for people who are watching this. Tell people about that. I do. So this is the physical printed copy, but I've also um, have a digital version. And so it's up on my website and I have a coupon code called just Corbett Report. And so you can enter that and you can download it for free. And I would love for everyone to just give it a try and try coloring and see how it works for you and have fun with it. What can it hurt? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at, at worst, you've wasted a few minutes. At best, you've found a new habit. So Exactly. Exactly. Right. And another thing, too, is it's really fun to share family members and elders and bringing it into your community as a way to have that offline creative conversations. Like you were saying with your family, um, it's really great as a tool in that way. If you're interested in having starting a conversation about unplugging and, you know, creative arts, um, it's a really wonderful tool for that as well. All right. Well, I very much appreciate your time. Direct people to the website once again and any social media you want to promote. Yeah, the website is zb.com. That's Z-I-E-B-E-E.com. And the social media is at Z-B Media, Z-I-E-B-E-E Media. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Mackenzie Bakewell of zb.com. And, of course, that will be linked up in the show notes, along with the details of how you can avail yourself of that free download that Mackenzie mentioned there, um, so that you can get your your own copy of the free PDF ebook that uh, she's offering there. Um, so, now, having said that, we have looked at some very different visual ideas for visual media and how they can be used in one way or another, either to communicate information or even just for our own sake. But... As you will see, if you have or do go on to listen to that portrait interview that Chris Reddy conducted with me recently, I do think that the the creative act, the act of production, is something that really does define the human experience, or at least the meaningful part of the human experience, at least for me. And so I think this is an important activity to be engaged in and to be supporting. So I am sure there are many, many, many other people out there doing this type of 
truth art in various ways. And as I say, I've talked about it in the past uh, in that previous podcast, which I'll be linking in the show notes. Talked about it here today. I'm sure I will be talking about it again in the future. Um, and we've talked about it in various other capacities in the past as well, talking about the, the White Rose uh, a group uh, putting out their their posters and things like that. So visual propaganda and things like that. This has been a topic that I will continue to circle around because I think it is another way of helping to get people's minds around these subjects. And if uh, I, I think we all understand that if you have a great idea, it's you still need a great graphic designer or someone to put those ideas together in a visual way so that those ideas really get out there to their fullest possible extent. That is the way it works. On that note, thank you, Brock, for being a great video editor. <laughs> Having said all of that, again, all of the notes to everything that I've talked about and all of the links to all of the people that I've talked to today will be in the show notes. I hope one of these conversations or all of them are in some way useful to you. And if not, then at the very least, I hope it does inspire you and get some creative juices flowing to uh, perhaps step up and engage in some truth art of your own. Um, that is the point of Solutions Watch, not to be receptacles for information, but to be vessels through which we can create and bring new things into this world. I'm going to be continuing to sit here doing this week after week on Solutions Watch, as well as my other work, and I hope you will be here to join me for it. But that's going to do it for today. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com.